Welcome to CEO Money. I'm Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. All right, I have Tony Holt Kramer. She is the author and founder of the Trumpets USA. All right, Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. All right, really Tony, nice. Give us some background on you for those of us who who haven't heard of you yet, which is very few. But some background on you, and I want to get into this list of questions I have for you. Background is, uh, first of all, I started in Hollywood. I was a uh, news on-air newscaster. Uh, I created, I didn't want to be called a, go a gossip columnist, so I became a Hollywood reporter. And my start to Hollywood was because of two people I met the first few weeks I was decided to be professional. One was uh, Frank Sinatra and the other was Rock Hudson. And both of them kind of advised me and they had their friends call me and people inter did interviews with me. And before I know it, I was on national television show and I got my own magazine, Tony Holt's Movie Life, which you can find somewhere in the history of the world, uh, probably on, on eBay or something. That was years ago when I first started. And then from there, I segued. I liked, after working, we did a lot, a lot of shows, many, many series. Uh, Talk of the Town, uh, did the news, morning, anchored, co-anchored the morning show in L.A., uh, did lots and lots and lots of different shows. Uh, and then I decided I was kind of bored. I needed a, a new venue. I'd interviewed three, 4,000 celebrities. And what made it so special was that, as a rule in Hollywood, when you interview people, uh, you'll usually see the reporters with their hand out holding a microphone. I was never put in that, thank goodness, in that position. Uh, I was always included right on camera with them. So from there, I decided Washington. The first weekend, my husband and I went to Washington. I said, let's see. I mean, how are we going to break into Washington so I can do a show from here? And the next thing that I know, within being there less than 24 hours, uh, I was invited to the closing night at the White House for... Uh, Hillary Clinton and, of course, President Clinton. And I was also going to the, because um, I was a contributor to the, uh, my husband and I, to George W. Bush's inaugural. And so I had the incredible pleasure of probably being in the Guinness Book of Records. I was the last civilian to be in the Red Room at the White House with my husband and first Hillary and then the president. And then with a mad dash, with the help of Betty Carey, uh, who worked for them, uh, into my car and off to the Library of Congress, and the last person to get in to shake hands with uh, George W. Bush on the eve of his uh, inauguration. So that was my start into Washington, and I got really excited. I love Washington, and I love, I thought actors and politicians are kind of very similar. They're kind of you know, they're kind of like the same turned inside out. A good a good politician has to be a good person on camera. 
Uh, if they're not, they don't manage very well. And a good uh, actor has to be able to convince you that he's telling the truth. So that's kind of where I started. Then my book came about as being, uh, my mother always said, you know, you really need to write a book because I've had some great, great downs in my life. You know, it, it sounds, when I talk to you, it sounds like, you know, with Hoopla, she's only had a great life. But uh, I've had some really severe tragedies in my life. And uh, my mother always said, you know, you really have to think about writing a book to inspire women and explain to them that even when things go really up you know what creek uh if you really keep focused on something that you really like that you want to do that you believe in that probably doing that will help you take on a different attitude and uh it's always worked for me my mother taught me if you think it you can do it. I live my entire life like that. I mean, there has never been a moment where I don't believe that if I think it, I can't do it. I always know if I think it, one way or another, I'm going to do it. And then Hillary uh, one day said to me, you know, Tony, you have to make me a promise. This is when she was running back in 2007 before uh, she got, it, got sideswept. Uh, uh, she said, you have to promise me you'll write a book. You just have to promise me because I, she knew a lot of what had happened in my life. And uh, she said, you have to promise. And I said, I will. I'll promise. And my mother said, you have to promise. So Unstoppable Me, which is available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And if you have Prime, you get it delivered for free. Uh, so those... Uh, that's what I did. The only thing it was, it wasn't an overnight book. Uh, it took me nine years to write it. And believe it or not, nine full rewrites. Because every time I thought I was done, something new happened. And it changed, you know, my, my, my goal of where I wanted to go and where I wanted to do. The certain things that stayed the same, of course, inspiration to the women inspiration to people, inspiration to children. Um, so, you know, if you read my book, you'll see it's a wonder my son is still alive. And even though he's not in very great condition, uh, doctors said he wouldn't be alive. And he is. And uh, there's a lot of pictures in there. Of, and, you know, I'm one of the chapters about him or and so it really takes you from, I was an abandoned child by my father. I had never seen my father since I was, I don't know, eight or nine years old. And I never had a birthday card or a Christmas card or any of the things, you know. So I had this complex about I needed to always be around older men because they would fill the father image. So I had a lot of different things going on in my head. Um, and then when I did see my father once in a restaurant in New York, I was 21 years old, and I walked over to him. I was with my aunt, and uh, he denied who I was. He said, you know, I don't know you, and I knew who it was. So, you know, there's been a lot of stuff in my life, but I'm the happiest person you're ever going to meet uh, most of the time, not all the time. But I'm a pretty happy person. I'm very grateful. I have wonderful people in my life. I have a great husband married 27 years. <gasps> it's a lifetime. 
and uh, we went together a year before. And uh, let me let me no, I'm, I'm, let me take you back to your Hollywood days for a second. Tell me about your most sure. memorable interview there. Well, actually, it's funny you would ask that because there are a number of memorable interviews that never made my book uh, because I tried to, you know, I had to leave room. They tell me I was 400 pages. They said enough is enough. Uh, my most memorable interview was probably someone who I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners won't remember, uh, Eartha Kitt. Do you remember Eartha Kitt? Yes, The I singer? Do. Yes, yes, yes. I think that was one of the most memorable interviews because I was doing live Good Morning LA and uh, all the all the cameramen knew her and they all said, oh God, Tony, we feel so sorry for you. And this is live. I mean, this is, we were not on video. We were live. Uh, and they said, oh, we feel so sorry. She's the worst interview. She's so tough. She's so blah, blah, blah. And I hadn't, didn't have Google, you know. Uh, this is at the beginning of my career. There was no Google. And uh, I said, okay, uh, what am I going to do? And I just thought, I'm just going to do. I mean, whatever it is, I'll do. And the first thing I did, I sat down and I promise you, I don't know where it came from. The first question out of my mouth to her at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning or something was, Bertha, do you think that men, especially white men took advantage of you because here she was this beautiful black gorgeous incredible star who had been married to uh i know to a a, a caucasian gentleman and she looked at me and she stared at me for a minute and she went yes i do think men have taken advantage of me they held that segment over for two segments, and by the end of the interview, Michael, Eartha and me were with tears running down our cheeks. We had we had gone back in her life to where she used to lie under their house, where you know that lattice work where you could see her family were cotton cotton pickers. And she'd hide under there and look out on the fields and see the people working out there picking the cotton and she'd say it's never going to happen to me never 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 and she was dedicated and not having that kind of a career you know of not of that kind of a life and we got to that and i'm telling you at the end of the interview live we're both crying and the applause from the crew was overwhelming so I guess that's probably the most memorable, but then I have great interviews with Steve McQueen that, I, that didn't make the cut. Uh, great interviews with George Kennedy, incredible, when he admitted that he cheated on his wife on my show live, and he went, oh, and they were divorced shortly after. And uh, so, uh, yeah, there were a lot of stories that didn't make the cut, <laughs> because, you know, there's only so many pages. What? What inspired you to start the Trumpets? Oh, that was easy. That that was just a no-brainer. Uh, I had moved with my husband. We had moved to Florida. I'm in Palm Springs, California right now, by the way. Um, and I had moved to Palm Beach uh, because I have very small family. And my cousin, who, 
we insist that we share one brain. We really do. We, we can think each other's thoughts. And uh, I wanted to move them. My mother had passed very unexpectedly. And I was very, very downhearted, as you'll read in my book. And I said, I spent my whole time on the phone, so I moved in there. And the first weekend, the first New Year's Eve, we were in Palm Beach. Uh, we went to Mar-a-Lago. And I, my friends who were members there said, you have to go there. You're really going to love it. And who was there but Donald Trump? Well, that was New Year's Eve 2009 to 10. And I said, oh, I hardly knew who Donald Trump was. I mean, I knew the name, but I didn't know anything about him. Anyway, he came over and he introduced, I have a great photograph of the first night with my friends with him. And he said, you know, you guys have to join our club. You would love it here. Well, you know, when we left, my husband and I talked about it. And we didn't jump in right away. Maybe, I don't know, months or a year later, we joined and uh, what happened was, I, I'm very, um, I feel a lot. You know, I think a lot, I feel a lot, uh, and I notice a lot. And I notice that week after week, month after month, even year after year, how great the service was at that place, how great the people were, the waiters, the waitresses, the, the ladies' room attendant, Joyce. I mean, everybody cared. And I said, you know, this even though we have a great manager at the club, uh, you know, it always starts at the top, Michael. And the top was, of course, Donald Trump. And I said, wow, this man is just too much. He really knows how to run a business. He really knows how to make it fun. And so a few years go by, and all of a sudden, I'm not happy with what I see Obama doing. I mean, I'm I'm of the mind that Obama was probably one of the worst presidents we ever had. Uh, and I just felt that we were going in the wrong direction. And I didn't trust that world would get better if we didn't get somebody terrific into that office. And the idea of a businessman who knows how to run businesses and people and do all of that, uh, it just seemed to me that it would work. So for about two years uh, I'm a reader I do all our I do our, our own investing and I run our our kind of financial planning and because I love that that's a passion of mine and uh, so uh, I always had philosophy about money countries uh, everything has to roll together you know it doesn't just happen over here or over there as we're seeing even now uh, so I said you know, this man should be president. And every time I read a report, I'd pick out the best report of the week. And when he would come down on the weekend, uh, I would send, uh, I would scribble on the top. And I used to call him, dear Mr. President, <laughs> way before there was any conversation about him being president. Thought you might like to read this. Thought you might find this interesting. And that went on for several years. And uh, I think we all started to, at least those of us that felt the way I did, uh, felt that there was, it was time that we needed someone really important, powerful, not afraid, not part of the swamp, not part of the, you know, I owe you buddy and you owe me buddy and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Trump is his own man. I mean, he is his own man, whether you can get annoyed with him at times and think 
he is who he is, and he has no problem. Uh, he's smart. He doesn't. He reads probably five newspapers. I'm told before seven o'clock in the morning. So he knows he's got his handle on. He's got a hand on everything. So one day I said, "Is you know, is he ever going to do this?" And one day at the club, it was just before they closed for the summer around April of 2015. Uh, he comes up alongside of me very quickly, just walked by and said, I'm running. And I, he never stopped. And he didn't, and I thought, I must have heard him wrong, running. Well, I was so afraid to even mention, I didn't even tell my husband, didn't tell anybody, because I thought, oh my gosh, you know, if it's true, I don't want to break a confidence. And if it's not true, they'll think I'm crazy, which won't be the first time. But um, then I was with my best, one of my best girlfriends, Terry Ebert Mendoza. We were on a cruise for my birthday. It was right after the, a year after my son's tragedy. So my husband and Terry and Joe, her husband, decided it was time to get me away and get me breathing. And... Um, so we were on board uh, some ship out in the middle of the Mediterranean, uh, near Monaco, actually. And uh, all of it, we, had, we hear that President Trump had just come down, the, he was then Donald Trump and Melania, in that gorgeous white dress, had just come down the elevator. And from the elevator, uh, he had gone over and announced that he was running for president. Well... I heard that. I was sitting in the dining room, and I let out the biggest scream. I think people must have thought, who knows what happened to this woman? And I went, oh, my goodness. He's running. He really is. Terry, we have to do something about this. We have got to organize a group of women. Because right now, all I was concerned about were women. Uh, because women basically you know, wouldn't understand necessarily a personality like Donald Trump. So I thought, okay, we got to get it going. And so we talked the whole rest of the cruise about forming a group. We did not have a name. Then we got back to Palm Beach. And uh, what happened uh, was we got two other girlfriends who really loved him too. And they joined. And four of us became the Trumpet founders. Uh, Terry, myself, Susie, and Janet. And we all became Trumpet founders. It's in my book. You'll see their pictures. Uh, and at the Beverly Hills Hotel, Beverly Hilton Hotel on September 19th, we were all there for a charity event. Uh, and uh, Janet came up with the name. She said, what? I said, what are we going to call ourselves? Trump? Trump what? Trumpets? And she went, Trumpets, that's it. And I went, well, how about Trumpets USA? Because trumpets, I know there were socks that were called trumpets or people that played the saxophone could be called trumpeters or trump. So we, I named it Trumpet USA. And it was born September 19th, 2015. And I'm very proud to tell you that we have hundreds of thousands of members all over this world. Uh, that we have chapters in Australia. Uh, we have chapters in England. We have chapters, we have members from all over. We have housekeepers 
who Hispanic housekeepers who started a whole group at her church uh, here in California in the desert. We have uh, a reverend. We have a lady reverend who uh, conformed her church. We have a pastor in uh, part of Florida who got her whole church to get behind it. Uh, we have so many different walks of life. We have we have royalty. We even have a princess as a member who can't vote here, but just loves the feeling of being a supporter to Trump. Uh, we have one of the most, probably the most important woman in Australia, Gina Reinhart, who um, I think they say is the richest woman in Australia. Uh, she just loves President Trump because she said, we need a man, a person like that in Australia. We need that kind of power in Australia. We need that. She hates all the red tape and all the nonsense that goes on. And there's so much, as you all know, you know, we all know there's so much wasted time. There's so much wasted politics in the sense that, you know, people are, are this, this just too many things that are not straight out and honest. And of course, people hate some people who are who are who know that uh, would hate Donald because they would think, well, you know, they'd like to say something fake and awful about him. But the truth of the matter is, he's wonderful. He's honest. He doesn't take a penny to run for president. You know, he turns all that over to charity. He, you know, it, and look what this has got to cost him as far as his businesses and everything else because he can't work at doing that. And uh, but I believe that the greatest love of President Trump's life is America and that as far as he's concerned, that America for sure is, has got to survive and not become a socialist country. I don't think anybody, only the younger people who maybe haven't learned yet. Margaret Thatcher, I read her book, it said the only time socialism uh, survives it only survives until you use up everybody else's money. Because the bottom line for everybody is, really, who's going to work for free, Michael? Who's going to clean, you know, the, the who's going to clean your building? Who's going to take care of your bathrooms? Who's going to, who's going to work as a salesperson? Who's going to wait on you in a diner or a restaurant? Who's going to do the cooking? Who's going to pay for your kid's school? Who's going to pay for their clothes? Who's going to pay for their ballet lessons? Who's going to pay for their piano lessons? How are you going to pay your rent? How are you going to, you know, all these things. It's so stupid that people could even think in a million years that getting everything for free, it's, it's, it's highly insulting the American people's intelligence to have people, in my opinion, my opinion, like an Elizabeth Warren, or somebody like that, who's or or, or uh, what's her name, Kamala Harris, who's going to say, oh, you know, everything should be for free, and we have to be progressive. These people don't know really what they're talking about, in my opinion, and obviously, in a lot of Trumpets and Trumpsters' opinion as well, because for sure, these people are talking. Do they work for nothing? Do they not draw salaries? I understand that Bernie Sanders has three homes. I don't know. I mean, that doesn't sound like you've worked for nothing. What about, uh, what about future think, plans? What are you going to do with the Trumpets going into 2020? Oh, well, we're going to have, this is going to be our third event. The first event was covered worldwide by the BBC. 
BBC came and they then distributed our first event, which was really scary because I'd never done this kind of an event before, um, in 90 countries besides the BBC. Uh, the second, and, and all over, we were in Hong Kong, uh, who came in? Japan came in and covered it, Ashi Television, uh, America covered it all over the world. You have to have, go to my websites, please, everybody. Go to trumpetsusa.com, trumpetsusa.com. I'd invite you to join me on Facebook, but I'm not allowed to have more than 5,000 members. So we have 4,999, so I can't get you in there now. But you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram. And you can also go to Trump at USA, and you'll hear Laura Trump uh, do, do the real news at least uh, one or, once or twice a week. Uh, you'll see an update on everybody. And so we're having our big event. It'll be the third annual Red, White, and Blue Celebrating Trump. Uh, it's going to be over the uh, football Super Bowl weekend. Super Bowl is Sunday, February 2nd. Our event will be at Mar-a-Lago, the Winter White House, February 1st, uh, 2020. And it's, it's a hot ticket. In fact, it hit the newspaper yesterday. I'm not even in Florida, as you know. And uh, my, my assistant sent me the paper, and it was a big write-up of what's coming up on the social season. And it said the trumpets event and they they said it i mean i didn't they said you know it's sold out immediately and it's true we are sold out we announced twice and we were sold out in a couple of weeks i mean it's amazing and people come from all over the world it's not just florida you know, people come from every state and even from uh, even from europe I'm not surprised at all. Not surprised at all. Tell me uh, briefly about your relationship with Donald Trump, and then I want to get some advice from you for other women who would be trying to follow in your footsteps. Oh, well, you know, I, I always give lessons. You know, when women ask me through the years, and I'll get back to Donald Trump in a minute, uh, for the last 25 years, uh, Groups I have gone in, like even in the swimming pool, you know, at, when I used to have a condo years ago down here, um, I would go in on Saturdays at 10 a.m. And I would just, you know, mentor with women. I don't know why. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not any of those. I probably need that. But I just seem to have a, a natural feel for women's problems and uh for their needs to, to move forward. So uh, I, I feel that that's a very big calling of mine and something I take very seriously and I'm very grateful if I can touch lives and make lives better for people. I've gotten a lot of friends and a lot of acquaintances married um, through just you know telling them what I thought they should be doing with their life. Uh, I've seen a few go on to some really wonderful careers with their life and, you know, and I, I certainly have not, I've certainly had my share of, of junk, but I guess just fortunate as far as my relationship goes with Donald Trump, I guess the highest compliment I could give, that he could give me was at an event uh, a few months ago. He looked down in the audience and he pointed straight at me and he said, you've been with me since the very beginning. 
you and the Trumpets are my number one messenger. And I think we are um, a great messenger group because we don't raise money. You can't, we don't take donations. We're not a fundraiser. Uh, you can join TrumpetsUSA.com for nothing. All you have to do is fill in the application. You get all of the, you get all the news, you get everything and send a photograph and you get some people join. They don't want their name. They don't want because they're afraid of their job or this or that. But we have, um, I think that we started and the goal still is to educate people. And now, of course, we have a lot of men. We have Trumpsters as well. And we have a lot of boots on the ground now because we're so famous around the world and particularly around this country. Uh, and doing these kind of shows makes it very important because people become aware and they realize that, oh, you know, it's not going to cost you $1,000 to join us. Uh, if you want to come to the event and we have a ticket, you, you know, if we still have a ticket, you're welcome to buy it. Uh, we have great entertainment. Last year we had, oh my goodness, what star-studded role uh, from... John Voigt was there. He flew in just for the for the uh, debt night. And we had uh, uh, Judge Jeanine Pirro, if you know who she is, from Fox News. Hmm. We had Wink Martindale, anyone who knows all of those uh, game shows. He had just gotten a big award in Washington. He did an incredible job of doing, he recited a great, great story about America. And we had so many, uh, we had the Pillow Man, Mike Lindell. You know, the Pillow Man is probably the most seen person on television. I think he has the Guinness Book of Records right now as the most seen person on television. He spoke for a couple of minutes. Uh, Eric Trump was there, he spoke. Uh, we had the president uh, of Brazil, newly elected, Ayer Belisaro, his son, Eduardo, who will probably, uh, I think he's going to become, I hope he's going to become a diplomat. I, I will venture to say that, in my opinion, Eduardo eventually, when his father is no longer president, he'll be president. He's amazing. And he came and, and I just called him out of the audience. I said, will you come up and say a few words? Because it's the first time in 18 years that Brazil hasn't been under a, a really leftist a regime. It's the first time that people have a chance to have a business and make money. And for the first time, I see stock market stock market companies recommending Brazil as a place to invest. And I don't think there's any doubt that it probably is. I mean, I don't know that for sure. But when you have the right kind of people at the head of a government, they encourage. They encourage business. They encourage money to be made. There is nothing wrong, folks, with capitalism. Capitalism makes people be able to employ other people for jobs, give those people a better way of life, their children a better schooling. Uh, it, it just, you know, it, they try to paint the picture that, you know, if you're a capitalist, you're evil. Well, you know, I, you have to be a little weird to believe all that. And uh, so... That's that's my my relationship with uh, the president and his beautiful wife, who I adore. Uh, she's really quite she's quite a role model. If she was, when you think about it, it's kind of shameful that, with her beauty and grace, and the fact that she speaks eight languages, and the fact that she's a superb dresser, and 
really is an icon in many ways, but you hardly see her on the cover of all the magazines the way you did with Michelle Obama or people like that. Uh, there's a lot of bigotry against uh, Trump, people that, that, you know, they they just, they can't stand that someone's telling the truth. And that's about it. And, and she, uh, such a lady, and really would be a great asset to see her on the cover of all these covers as much as she deserves to be, as much as Michelle did or Jacqueline Onassis did, or Jacqueline Kennedy then, excuse me. But she was on covers, I guess, when she was Jacqueline Onassis, too. That was, a, you know, yeah, I would say so. So anyway, that's it. That's all I know. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. I just want to extend an open invitation to you to come back whenever you can so that we can have this conversation again. And then you could fill us in on what's going on in 2020. Sure, I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to fill you in on our event. I'll be happy to fill you in on our uh, on what's happening. I am going to be working on a new book. Uh, which is going to be something, you know, by the way, which I did forget to tell you, everything that we have, which is a couple of hundred shows and uh, that we've done in the last three years and all the photographs and all the interviews and everything else like that will be dedicated to President Trump's library eventually. So that's going to live on in history. And it's kind of nice to know that maybe a hundred years from today, people will say, who is that crazy woman who invented the trumpets? <laughs> you know, so it'll be kind of fun. We're working on a new book now that's going to be called uh, Trump and the Trumpets USA. Our story. It's going to be a um, uh, a coffee table book. So that will be the next project. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, don't hang up after I say goodbye to the audience. I have a solution for your Facebook issue. I'll, I'll want to make an introduction after the show. Okay. Right, sure. Thank right. you. All right, you've been watching. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I just. <laughs> you've been watching CEO Money with Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.